Welcome to Mama's Nightmare. Come join us as we talk about anything from moms that murder to family murderers, kids being kidnapped and or murdered, or even being killers, which are all a Mama's Nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia, and we're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Melissa Brannon. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and a grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a stay-at-home mom of three who just started listening to true crime podcasts, but like watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. I'm the one that suggested that we start a podcast, since we love to discuss nightmares, and of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. Today, we're going to be discussing a mom's worst nightmare, your child disappearing in the blink of an eye. The trigger warnings for this episode are kidnapping and disappearance of a child and rape of a child. Thanks for joining us. Now let's grab yourself some eggs and bacon. Let's talk about this nightmare. Okay. Before we get into the nightmare, let's discuss a little business. Alrighty. We found out we have a new listener in Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> yeah, so exciting. So neat when you see people overseas or even overseas. Listening. I know yeah. we have them. We have like five or six of them now. Yeah, it's, it's really that's cool. Awesome. It's really cool. It's it's a little intimidating. I won't lie to you because you're like, whoa, oh. <sighs> I'm just a little girl, a little country girl. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to be international. <sighs> but we's ours. But we are. It's so cool. And we are really thankful for everybody. We're getting lots of listens. And, and we'd really like to hear from any of you guys. If you want to email us, feel free. And if you find it, if you hear of something that you haven't heard much on and you want to know more about it, Please email us at mama's nightmare pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we're always looking for, we're trying to find things that are not so prominent out in the podcast world so that we're giving you guys something a little different. Yeah, next week's nightmare. Nobody's done this one. So I hope I can do her justice. I hope so. Yes, it's a, I, I don't know very much about it because you don't I'm really trying You're not really trying to, to keep it. Uh, usually she knows a lot more about my cases than I know about hers. Because um, I just sit there and I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Instead of actually communicating and she talking. Communicate. I have to learn. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning how to do this still. Yeah. It's okay. But, it, I mean, you still seem to be, you know, you're still in, interested in the case when we're going through it. I leave some Oh, I'm very out. interested in the case. I leave a lot of things out when we're doing it. I kind of give you an outline of what we're going through. But, but yeah, this one... I don't know, folks, this one, you might need some Tylenol, too, because it might be giving you a headache, because it is rough. I don't know. I don't I don't get what happens. It's just crazy. But anyway, we'll have to get into the story for that one. Um, do we have anything else that we needed to talk about, that we wanted to talk about before we started? Did, how, uh, we've been on vacation all week, so I'm maybe yeah, a little... So I'm sitting here with multiple papers out in front of me and nothing on the computer and things like that. So I apologize if we're a little bit more scattered than normal. Um, um, no, I don't really think so. I mean, we just had a, we had a good little staycation. We have. Busy. Um, busy. Exhausted. So busy. Ready to get back to normal. And school's about to start back. So it's about to get a little chaotic for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Getting everybody into the swing of everything. Yeah, I kind of 
dread I'm supposed to, I've got to travel back home today or in the morning and start work in the morning. And I kind of dread, you know how you dread going back to work after a week off? Yes, because it's always worse it's, when you go back because you've got so, much so stuff many things not, piled up. You've got to get fixed and everything. And I work for a tech company and the amount of changes that happen in a week yeah, are phenomenal sometimes. Sometimes not much, but there's been all kinds of bugs that have yeah. been happening and things that are fixes that have been going through and things that they're changing and things that we're doing. So it just, and I've looked through some of my emails on from work and I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Nope. Just don't, nope. Close it. <laughs> and not looking at it. So yeah, I kind of dread the whole getting back into yeah. work thing. It's usually, it's always when you leave to go do something. That's when something big happens and you have to readjust. Yes. So. Yes, and then I, and then I got to get back into the mode of working every morning too. So, yeah. fun stuff. So, alrighty, ready to get into this little nightmare? Okay. I don't know so, if it's really little. I mean, this one's a doozy. Yeah, it's a doozy. I mean, I, you, you know, say they that about all, all of them. Are. They <laughs> all are. They really all are. I mean, anything that has to do with a child is always just horrific. It's terrible, and and when it's a disappearance, you can't help. But feel for these people. And this one specifically really hits home for me because it's, it was in my time when y'all were little. Yeah. And so I really, I feel for this person, I feel for this mom and um, I, I feel especially for her because I know that, we all know that terror of when you're in a store or you're out somewhere with them and you turn around and you don't see them. Yeah. And the, the the panic the that sets in and the you know i'm screaming for them and i'm doing that and they're nowhere and you're just freaking out we've all been there we've all turned around for a second to grab something off a shelf and turn around and that kid's gone and you don't see them anywhere the thing is is the majority of us find that child yeah oh i don't want to cry already i know it's too early all right we haven't even got to her so yes, but before we do, yes, we did miss one thing. We have been talking about starting up a Patreon. Oh yes, we have, and we're wanting some kind of feedback. If per anybody se. would be, interested. anybody would be interested in it. We are looking into like night terrors and sweet dreams and all of this other stuff, trying to make it different for everybody. But. We're wanting to see how many people are actually kind of interested. If they would be interested in it. If they'd be interested. We have an Instagram and a Facebook page. They are all, they will be linked in the descriptions and sources down at the bottom. And please leave comments on there for us. If you, even if there's something else that we missed or something that's wrong. And you can leave comments on the Facebook and, and Instagram page. Or you can email us. We're always, we're, uh, you know, always like to hear from anybody about anything that goes on in it. That's always great with us. Yeah. And sometimes when something like this comes up and you're like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that case. I never, I never knew what happened there. If you'll let us know, we're, oh, we're yeah. glad to do the research on it. <sighs> kind of thrive on it. So I'm starting, I'm starting to get to where I really like doing the it's research. Kind of, it's kind of getting and addicting when you get into it and. All right, so let's start this nightmare up. <laughs> All right. Well, this is about Melissa Brannon, who was five years old. Pretty little girl. 
She is the daughter of Tammy and Michael Brannon. Tammy has been divorced from Michael now for three years. They're in, they live, uh, she moved, he lived, they lived in Texas together and she's moved to Virginia when they divorced. Okay. She's, um, she got a job at a defense contracting mm -hmm. company. So they're in Lorton, Virginia, Lorton, Virginia. However, this is in the Washington, D.C. area. So it's You a, love you know, the Washington, D.C. area. Apparently, Washington, D.C. has got it out for me. They're just, they're, they're finding everything <laughs> for me. Um, it's just calling me. Come see me. And so, this one, um, she was, she was a busy woman, but she loved this little girl. This was, this little girl was her life. This is what she was doing, you know? Mm. And, um, Michael, again, he lived in Texas, and um, he didn't get to see Melissa very often. Um, the court records just, they even refer to him as being poor. However, we do know, he, yeah, that he, because he didn't have the, apparently he didn't have the money. I don't know that he didn't pay child support. I'm not going to say anything about that, but he did, uh, as I don't know anything about that, but he didn't really have the money to fly her out to see him for holidays and vacations and things like that. Okay. So he only really saw her when his parents, who lived in Arizona, would fly would, out there. They would fly her out to see them. Or, or come and get her, or however they, however their arrangements were. When they, when she was visiting them, he would come and see her, or even get her and take her home for a couple of days, and then take her back to them. He was remarried, and he just, and at this time of this incident, and he does have a baby. Um, and he had just seen her. Now this happens. This incident occurs in December, December the third of nineteen eighty. I want to say nine. nine. Yes, nineteen eighty nine. Um, so he, uh, he had just seen her last seen her in October. Okay. So, um, and again, now Tammy worked for this defense contracting company and on the weekends she worked for a jewelry store. So she sold jewelry. So she was working two jobs to keep them up. This sounds just like you. <laughs> it does. And I think this is why it hits so hard with me. Yeah. Now, when y'all were this age, when in 1989, I wasn't working two jobs, but I did you did when we were teenagers. I did much more, yeah, a lot of times then. And uh, so, she she had a, um, she lived in this apartment complex. It was called Woodside Apartments. And it, that was in Lorton, in Lorton, Virginia. And this complex was known to be family-oriented. Mm -hmm. And they had been there for the three years that she's been in, to, in this area. She's okay, been so she living stayed there, there very like very steady and stable, stable life. yeah and every, and a lot of people knew her and a lot of people knew melissa because she was such a cute little girl but she was super super shy so they never saw melissa without tammy with her hmm. sounds like somebody else i know <laughs> yeah the one that hangs on your leg yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one yeah that one yeah she's um, she's you know was that type just hang on to her leg and didn't didn't walk away from her didn't go very far she was always there so this particular night every year they had uh, the woodside apartments had a annual yuletide party and 
So kind of like a Christmas party. Their Christmas party that they had and they invited. And so they had snacks and drinks for the adults and um, starts around 7.30 or so. And they all gather in and talk. And you know how it is. Yeah. And But they have little gifts for the kids and things like that. So Tammy this night didn't really want to go. I get it. She's a working woman. She's got... You're so tired at the end tired. of the day. And then you have to get everybody ready. She's got to get her ready for bed. She's got to do all this. But <sighs> Melissa wanted to go. She was all excited because I guess, you know, I'm sure that there have been signs everywhere and talking about it. Well, I know my kids love to go to a party. Love to go love to a Love to go party. to a party. And you know, these same kids that she plays on the playground with and that she knows are going to be there. So yeah. she wants to go. So Melissa breaks down and they go. And of course, they have a good time while they're there. They enjoy it. And they're sitting around talking. A lot of the night, Melissa... Uh, Tammy says that Melissa spent sitting on her lap and enjoying and but they had a table and they were eating and this this I have the problem of saying gentleman because this is not a gentleman this man skis ball yes this purr but she doesn't know this he this guy comes up and he's talking to her and he's going on I'm assuming that he probably has been introduced or introduces herself, herself to she had never met him before, but he had just started working for Woodside. He's only been there a couple of weeks. He's a groundsman or something. So Okay, so like a janitor. Kind he's of a custodian type maintenance man. man. Maintenance man type thing. And uh, it, one, one place says maintenance man, one place says groundskeeper. So, and I think they're kind of synonymous. I don't know that he necessarily went into the apartments to fix things, but he fixed things around the outsides and, and outside and did that. Of course, okay. he's only been there a couple of weeks, so who knows exactly what he had done. Um, so, anyway, when they get there, there's about, there's about 400 residents in this thing so it's a large complex mm -hmm. uh, but about 115 or so of them had gathered for this party some coming in and out and going in and out um, it's about so they had been sitting at a table and talking and everything and he had he had no she had noticed that Caleb had talked to her he had talked to Melissa Caleb's he, a skis ball right Caleb is the maintenance man okay yes he's a skis ball so he had um, his name is Caleb Hughes he had been talking to many of the children that night. People had said, they, a lot of the kids had said, you know, he had had them, some of them sitting on his lap. He'd even, uh, he'd, you know, things like that's that. That's a red flag. But he had also been hitting on a lot of the, on several of the women. Yeah. They were like, and, and making overt sexual, crude, crass things to them. Mm. And so they were, a lot of people were, you know, just kind of walking away from him and getting away from him. He, wasn't making a lot of friends at the party. So, uh, at one point, Tammy had to take Melissa and two other little boys to go to the restroom. Okay. So, she takes them, and Caleb stops and says, hey, I'll do that for you. She's like, no, I'm a good. So, she just <laughs> takes them on. Get away. You know. <laughs> You're not taking the kids to the potty. <laughs> right, right. I'm not giving, I'm handing my kid over and this, and these kids over to you. I don't know you. She just didn't know him well yeah. enough. So, now it's hitting about 10 o'clock. They've had a, this good night, and she's like, nope, we got to go. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. But she goes over. They get the coat. She puts her coat on her. Little pink parka. Gets her ready. It's a bitterly cold night, so, you know, you're going to get her all Yeah, it's up there in the north, go. so that's pretty cold. Yeah, and, and everybody, 
every newscast and everything that that did this talked about it being so bitterly cold that night so and, and that this was a danger because they thought she if she's out there she needs the protection because it's such a bitter cold night yeah, so hypothermia and all of that yes and she does have on a little pink parka but let's face it those little pink parkas are not that great no you need another you coat have. to go along with it but it's fine for you're here and we're going to walk back to our apartment yeah you know but it's not good if you're going to be out and about. Because she has on a skirt and tights. So she's not in... She's not real, dressed she's not for the weather. She's not in ski pants and, you know, and all that. She's dressed for a party. So they, uh, they're they getting ready to leave. And she puts on her parka. And before Mom gets a chance to put her coat on, she says... Melissa says, Mom, can I get some potato chips? They're right Girl, across after here. my own heart. Right. <laughs> She wants to take some potato chips home. So she says, okay, but come right back. Mm Mm-hmm. So. All been there. Right. So she's getting her coat on. And the whole time she's watching her. She's, you know, she's talking to a friend while they're, you know how. Girl. Oh, yes. We all know. We all know how you get started talking to somebody and you're getting ready to go. And you're going towards the door and the person's still talking to you. (laughs) And. Yes. And. And they're asking questions, and you're talking back, and you do, and you're not, and you're not, it's trying, not to that you're trying to be. It's not even trying that you're trying to be rude or anything else. It's not even trying that you're trying to get away from them, but you're just chatting, yeah. and you're going through, and she, so she's checking back over her shoulder or to her side to see where Melissa is, and she sees her grabbing the potato chips, and then she sees her talking to somebody, but she doesn't see. Well, she says that in the in the court thing, she says that she sees her talking to Caleb. Okay. But she's watching her. You know, we all got them eyes all the way around mm-hmm. our head. Oh, yeah. And she's watching her. Eyes in the back of my head. And so she's going to put her coat on. And, of course, at that point, you can't just see her. You're putting your coat on or doing. And she looks back, and she doesn't see her. And so she's like, excuse me. And she goes to find Melissa because she is one of these overprotective helicopter moms. Love her. So... She looks for her, and she doesn't see her. So now she's thinking, well, did she go to the bathroom? So she goes to the bathroom. There's a little hallway that you go down, and there's a, a men's bathroom and a woman's bathroom, and a, a, a lady's bathroom and a man's bathroom, and then there's a utility closet. So she goes down the clo- down the hallway. She looks at, calls her name in the bathroom. She's not there. She opens the men's bathroom and calls for her. She's not oh, there. Yeah. Because we are, we are not shy about going into a man's bathroom when our child is not family. Yeah, but, yeah. I always give my kids, you have five minutes. Right. And five I'm minutes. And I will, I will go in. And I'm outside the door going, I will be right here. Make one scream and I'll be in there. <laughs> so, you know, you go. So, she's five. She might have picked the wrong bathroom. So, she opens it and she's, and she's looking through the bathroom so she doesn't see her. Because she's starting to panic now. And she's asked, and so she goes back and she's asking people, have you seen Melissa? Have you seen Melissa? Have you seen my child? Have you seen my child? And she can't find her. There's only one door out here. And nobody's seen her leave. How is, how is that possible then? So they go, she goes back. She's looking in those bathrooms, you know, because you're going to double check. Yeah. And she goes, she notices that this utility closet is unlocked. So she opens that door. There's this is the furnace room. There is a large window 
that's almost like floor length, it's open. So now, why would you have a why would you have a window in a furnace room? Maybe I have somebody that, else can can like. I had that question, and apparently it has to do with um, gases building up and things. And so, if there's a problem with it, you need somewhere to vent. And so, um, if you're working on something and it goes wrong, so they need to be able to vent it at a point. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I can get that, but it should have been closed and locked. It's winter, and it shouldn't have been open. But it was wide open, enough that someone could go through it. So at this point now... Oh, Mama freaking out. Melissa, you know, Tammy is a freaking out. And so she's back out there, and she's like... And it's, I mean, it's only literally minutes, and they're, she's like, call the police. They're calling 911. They're getting out there. So the police are here within 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. And of course, they... Shut everything down. Everybody is going to be here. We're everybody staying here. They questioned. There's about at that time. There's like 85 people in the the Still guests that are left. Still good people. Yes. Well, they they question them. They bring in lots of officers for this, and um, again because it's such a bitterly cold night, they think that maybe she's went out that window and she's out there so they immediately start getting people to search and some of these people in the party go to help once they've been questioned you know they've got them they're they're searching and they're looking through and everything and they're trying to find her and they're calling and they're afraid they're going to find this little girl that's just cold and scared and yeah and she's shy so she may not answer them so they're really having to search for her and everybody's um searching and nobody's finding her they even go to all the residents around and, and question them and see if they've seen her or anything. And nobody in the complex has seen her. So, of course, um, they start questioning the the managers, the apartment managers are there because they've been at the party. So, yeah. they're asking them. And, the, and who all's been here? And so, they're giving them a list of who it is. And one person is missing. Skis ball. Skis ball. Caleb is missing. So... Immediately, they don't. They don't um, really say, "Oh, well, he's got her," but they do want to question him. They want to question everybody. They've questioned everybody that's been there, and so they begin to call him, and they cannot get him. And they're getting no answer, no answer, no answer, nothing. So they get. So the um, the manager gives her the the home phone number, gives him the home address. So, we find out that Caleb lives about, like, it's like 4.1 miles from His the job. apartment complex. So, they they feel like we'll give him a few minutes to, you know, we can give him a little while to get home. This incident occurred at around 10 o'clock is when they were, when she goes missing. Yeah. So, um, they call and they find out that he is married. He's newlywed. They talk to his wife. He's not home. She doesn't know where he is. He must be on his way. And then they they call again. He's still not home. The apartment manager's calling, trying to get in touch with him. Still not home. He does not arrive home until approximately 1.30. So you live like five miles away and it's taking you what? Two and a half hours to get home. Okay. And 
the new wife is not real happy with him um, over I being home. can understand that. And she tells him, the police are calling. They want to talk to you. And he's like, why are they calling me? I don't need... So he gets in a shower, puts his clothes in the wash, takes a shower. When he gets out, then he calls the police back. Okay. He is in no rush to call these police back. And they tell him, look, we're... We're investigating this. Just we, we have a little girl missing, and we're trying to talk to everybody. Did you see her? He's like, I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't think I've ever seen this kid. I don't know. I've never heard this name. I don't know anything. See, if he was smart, he would have said, "Oh yeah, I think I saw her there." But right, I I, I left a little bit back before her. Right, before all this happened, I I left at that time. So they want to know. Well, you he wasn't there. Nobody had seen him when they were searching for her. So he, they know he wasn't there. So they're like, where have you been? They wanted to talk to him. They wanted him to come in. They want to know where he's been for two and a half hours. His only excuse ever has been that he took the long way home. Okay. What? Trip around the whole... Around the universe? I mean, for real. Around the city, at least. They did follow the, the route that he says that he took the long way home. Was 9.7 miles home. Okay. Okay, so let's double that. Felix, go away. <laughs> Sorry, folks. The, um, let's double that 10 minutes it might have taken you to get home before, and let's say 20 minutes. And he does say that he stopped to buy a six-pack. Okay. That should be on your way still. The six-pack was found in the back of the car later. But... So, they asked him to come in. And they didn't feel real good about him. So, they did give him a um, a polygraph. Let's make a statement here. Never take a polygraph, folks. Not admissible. And they never turn out good for you. But, for this one, he did not... Uh, he took the polygraph and he did fail the polygraph. Um, when it came down to it. But... The, and so the officer and the F, the FBI gets involved in this very quickly. I mean, they are in the Washington, D.C. area and all that. And so it, I think it's even more prevalent. They're right there. So they ask him uh, to take this polygraph. And they're telling him, and they said, you know, you're not, you're failing this polygraph. And he's like, no, no, no. And they go into it, and they're like, we know you've had something to do with the disappearance of this little girl. And he looks at him, and he says... Prove it. So they're very suspicious of him because um, I watched this. There uh, is a show on this in the forensic, uh, the FBI files. Well, he just told them prove it. To that prove just it. makes you look That's, like yeah. You're not saying oh I didn't do that. I had nothing to do with this. I don't know why I failed this. You know that these are not real reliable or whatever. He's not trying to do anything. He says something like he looks at them, him in the eye and says prove it. Okay, you're now my top suspect. Right. I mean, you're putting it out there, and you're just, you just basically said, I did it, but you can't prove it. So, they're really interested in him at that point. But they don't have enough to, um, to get, anything, <clears throat> get anything on him. Because it's not admissible that he took this polygraph. Yeah. So, they, um, and, and that he failed it. So, they go 
they asked to go back and they want to see his clothes that he wore the night of the party. And he's well, like, yeah. okay. So they take him back to his home. And when he goes, he gets them out of the dryer. He put them in the wash. You said that. Yes. He washed all the evidence. He washed his jacket, his pants, his shirt, his shoes. Shoes? And That's his. ruined the dryer. His belt, his leather belt, and there was a knife sheath on that belt, and he had washed it. The knife itself was not in there. Where's the knife? I don't know. But the knife sheath. I mean, a, 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 okay, we've all seen maintenance men and they're carrying around. In maintenance, you, you carry a big pocket knife in one of those things or something. It's easy to get to you, cut stuff you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I understand why he would have a knife sheath knife sheathed on the belt but I just don't understand why you'd wash it though why would you wash a leather belt mm. nobody washes in a washing machine you no. would take it and wipe it off with a moist towel wipe it off or something and even his shoes because when they asked him what shoes were you wearing when he hands them the when he gets the clothes out of the dryer and hands it to him and they're noticing that he's got this leather belt and everything he says either my work boots or my tennis shoes and he sees him wearing the work boots so he looks at it and he says okay and he gets them out well when they so they're going to put these straight into evidence and take them and when he takes them and looks at them the police officer that takes them notices that there's a lot of cuts and gouges on the around the sole of the shoe Later, this has been discovered that he has taken, like, a a utility knife or something and scraped around the edges of these shoes and gouged it in spots. To get whatever he needs out of it. So. What? It, I don't... My imagination says that he, because of him doing this, he probably washed them, and when he got them out of the washer before he put them in the dryer, noticed there was some stains on it still, so he's trying to scrape it off and get it, you know, clean Either that, that or off. dirt. I'm Debris, I'm, blood. Could, there you go. That's Ugh. more what I'm thinking of. Sorry, people. No, so <laughs> they and, and we'll find out later why you're going to find out it was blood. But they still don't have they don't have any evidence that they can get a search warrant or anything for him. So uh, they did do a little bit around his house where they asked, and he and he did give them the clothes. Of course, he gave them the clothes because he knew he had already washed them. And dried them, so he'd and gotten shoes and belt. Yes, everything. So oh. they um, they let him go, but the next uh, they have to let him go. Yeah, they have to. There's nothing to right. hold him. But the the next day, they find out that the car that he's been driving is his wife's car. She drives it to work, and she calls them to uh, about. She's noticed, now they've only been married a little while. She's noticed that he's not coming home right from work. She wants him to go to work and come home. We're newlyweds. I want you to leave. I want you to come home. Mm-hmm. I don't want you all out running around. I want you to come back. You know, we're want, I want to spend time with you. So she, unbeknownst to him, she had written down the, um, the mileage. And she knew he, how far he should go and come back. And she was going to check the mileage. So the next morning when she goes out, she notices that he has put 57 miles. 50? 
Seven. 57 miles on the car. So he did go around the whole universe. Right. <laughs> just kidding, not the universe. He he didn't go that nine miles out of the way, the long way home. Yeah, he went much further it. than that. So she calls the police. You go, girl. And tells them she is definitely one of the heroes of this story because she... Her newlywed husband, who she, you know, you know, when you're newlywed, you're still infatuated, and they can't do nothing wrong. Oh, but he did. But he did, and she, and, and she, She's had she enough. must have gotten a vibe from him, and she was like, no, uh, mm She must have already been angry because he hadn't been going home, because she's already, because she, she checked it. Because she's checking his she's mileage. She's checking the mileage. I've never done that. I have never. <laughs> That's very... Like I can't even remember to check it to uh, see how much gas very, mileage I'm getting. Well, like that's like controlling almost. It can be, yeah. So for her to do that, it makes me think that he's done something already beforehand right. to make her. Well, he had made comments at the party to these lewd comments that he had made, and to other people, other people that he had worked with, saying that what she doesn't know won't hurt her, and all, and talking about the conquest that he's made since he's been married, and all mm. of this stuff. I mean, he's a real jerk of the first degree. Anyway, and so, anyway, she calls them. They come out, and they say, hey, can we look at your car? This is the car that he had that night. And she's like, take it. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> so, it's this red or maroonish color Honda. Uh, I think it was a Civic, uh, but it was a little Honda. And so, she gives them carte blanche, take the car, do whatever you need to. So, the first thing they're going to do is they luminol the car. They find blood on the steering wheel and on the gas pedal. Know why he was marking those, getting those shoes done now? Because of the blood. There was blood on those shoes. So, unfortunately, you know, we all see these shows and they luminol everything and then they're checking it and they're doing this. We find out I found out that the luminol, once they spray the luminol and do that, a lot of times it destroys that blood evidence. You can't really get the DNA from it. The luminol messes that up. So they're looking for another spot to get it. And there is some staining on the shoe still, but there wasn't enough to get any blood to match oh. this and to get a DNA sample. So... Um, but... The, in, the state of this car, you would not believe. It's just, these, this couple has two large dogs, and apparently they carry them in this car a lot. Mm. So there Lots is... Lots of hair. Yes. And so what are you going to do when you're doing, when you see them going through, they're trying to find hairs and things like that to put this child in this car. Mm-hmm. This guy, normally they would just vacuum it. But yeah. Like I said, there was tons of dog hair in this car and tons of trash built up in the back seats and everything. It was just a mess. It was filthy. So, this guy takes it and and one of the uh, FBI agents is like, I've never seen it, seen them do this before, but he took like clear tape and he just he said all he wanted was the stuff on the surface. He didn't want the stuff that was way down in it, so he wasn't going to vacuum it because he knew there would be way too much. Mm-hmm. So he took just tape and went over the seats of the car, of this passenger seat. That's and these smart. Seats, and then laid those, tape, those tapes out flat, and then they're going to have to go through all of these hairs and fibers to get this. 
hey, that puts them away, it puts them away, and it's worth it. It is very worth it, but the amount of work that they put into this was phenomenal. Way to go. I mean... Is it police, or is it uh, sheriffs? Well, the police department... It's Fairfax County Police that comes out and starts it, but the FBI does get into it, and they take all of their stuff to the FBI to do all the testing okay. because of the, the sheer amount of it and the, thi- and, and the fact that there's nothing. And we don't know if the child is dead yet. There's still hope that she's alive oh. um, because they haven't hope found alive, her. Melissa. There is a point, in t- and so during all this, you know, mom is at home upset and and have to wait this. by the phone to make sure that if she calls or there's a ransom right. or Melissa anything. knows the phone number. She has taught her her phone number. So she's, you know, she's waiting, hoping that Melissa will call her or anybody will call her about this. So it's just, I mean, I can't imagine not knowing where my five-year-old is. Oh, I would be. And it's Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas time. You've done all your shopping. You've got all her gifts under the thing. And you know how excited she is for Christmas. And you're just... I don't know. It's She's your she's your world as it is. Yeah. And oh. everything that you do is for her. So you just... I can't imagine. I can't imagine having to just sit there and, and just hope and pray that she calls. And then just keep waiting and still hearing nothing. Right. And you know that you know that they're keeping her up with this and we do have a suspect and we do it, but they don't give you a lot of information. Well they're not gonna give you a, the name and all of that because Right. But you I'm go, sure you I, I would go crazy. Darn good idea who, who I it might would be. go crazy and I would go to that person's house. Right. And right. I'd probably kill him. Exactly. So you're just it, it's just oh, I don't know. He um it is terrible. But, uh, let's see. Okay, so they go through this. He, in, the, the, um, it comes into being very important. They put out, the Fairfax County Police puts out a, I don't know if it was called an Amber Alert at the time, but they put out, they, they immediately start flyers and everything. And the description that they give on this flyer is that she is three feet tall. She weighs 48 pounds. She has dark blonde, dark blonde hair. She was wearing a pink parka over a dark blue sweater, a plaid skirt, uh, red tights, and black shoes with little gold buckles. The outfit that she is wearing at the time comes into great play here. Okay. Um, she is wearing a little... Um, she's wearing a little Christmas outfit. It's a little red plaid skirt. She's mm-hmm. got on the red cotton tights. She's got on her little dress shoes with the little gold buckles on them. But her sweater is said to be navy blue. And then on that side of it, it's got a little patch that has a big bird on Sesame it. Sesame Street. So it's a Sesame Street. And it's one. So we know from that that it is, um, it's a JCPenney exclusive thing. So... Um, mm, we've all had those JCPenney outfits. Right. And you know, everybody looks in these things and this is like this little model and this this little girl and it's cute. And so you're like, oh my, oh, Melissa would be so cute in this. Mm-hmm. So you get this outfit. And of course, she's so super excited to wear it to the to the party and all. So it's a limited edition. Like, it's made for one season. For one season. Right. 
Well, as they're going through now, they've got all of this stuff and they're getting ready to go through everything. There are, let me find, let me see my numbers. I've, like I said, I've had a lot of things here. But um, they had, uh, there was something like, I know I wrote this down in a spot here. I'm sorry. How many? He had, uh, okay, he found uh, all of these acrylic things. There were 70 different fibers that he found that from in the car inside the car that he could possibly link to Melissa okay uh, that didn't make sense of being in the car or like that the dog hair and all that the dog that hair once you found a dog hair you could match all the dog hairs and you could do that so you knew those were dog hairs but then he found a like two one to two dark blonde hairs they could not link it and say specifically that these are Melissa's, although they did, they did, they were consistent with the uh, the hairbrush that they'd taken from inside Tammy's house. So, that so she they used. couldn't do the DNA testing then. Well, on it's nineteen eighty nine. It's not yeah. as there's not as much DNA testing. Yeah, and you've got to have a root, not just you know to get DNA and stuff oh. like that. And I don't know that even that portion of it was available at that point. But they were maybe not. What they got off of Melissa's hairbrush was consistent with what they found in there. Okay. In the car. But again, there's only a couple of hairs there. And those could be written off. There were a couple of odd things that he found. He did find some of these purpley blue acrylic fibers. Okay. He found some red cotton fibers. Tights. Um, or the skirt was red plaid. Okay, Could have yeah. been that. Could have been that, too. Uh, but he did find some of these black hairs that had a corkscrew pattern on them. And they were found to be rabbit hairs. But they were like a blue-black color. Okay. So, they went back to Tammy and asked her, Do you have a rabbit jacket? Because he... they Because when they went to the... When they go, you know, they go into... Uh, Tammy's apartment and they take things mm-hmm. from there. So they'd taken some pajamas, her hairbrush, different things like that that they and toys and yeah, stuff things like that. to help them that they identif- can right. You identify. can you can let a dog smell a toy. You can you're going to look for fibers and things like that. You want to find anything. The this guy that does this was amazing because he noticed when he's looking through all this crap from this car, he's like, I think I've seen these fibers before. These little black fibers. He goes back, the pajamas that they had taken from the, from her home, from, uh, of Melissa's, had, uh, had these same fibers embedded in it. Hmm. So that's when he decided to go back and they asked Tammy, do you have a rabbit rabbit jacket? jacket? And she says, yes, she actually has a kind of a rare one because her mom bought it when they were in Germany and brought it back for her. And it is guess what color it's a blue black color so they took fibers from that jacket and matched them to the seat where they had found it in that car okay but what about the purple blue fiber stuff so he takes those and he's holding on to them and he has hope that 
this will meet match her outfit. Although everybody has said it is navy blue. Mm-hmm. And these are kind of a purpley blue, so he's not sure. So when he goes home, he's talking to his wife, and he says, you know, she's got this outfit, and there, you know how you talk it's about the your, wife. The you wife know how you talk. That's right. You know how you talk about stuff, and you're upset, and everybody. This little girl's picture has been going on every night on the news. They have a little video of her singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for her grandparents. Aww. And they and they've got this on there, and the whole area is just fell, falling in love with this little girl, and everybody's invested in it, you know. I'm so, invested. I'm so invested. of course he's at home, and she's asking him about it, and he says, you know, I've got this thing, and and we and, and we found some of these things, but he said I don't know. He said they don't they don't have the outfit to match the fibers to. Yeah. Because they because don't have her. Because it was limited her. edition. Well, it? they don't. They haven't found a body, so they oh, don't have well, her. True. So they don't have the outfit. So she says, wait a minute. And he says, you know, she says, I think I've got, I've got the JCPenney catalog. Let's go look at it. So they get that out. Oh, and I remember the catalog. Them. Yeah. Those hey, were fun. Everybody wants the catalog. So she brings out the catalog and he's like, yeah, that's the outfit the mom's saying that she's wearing. So they rip it out and he's like, so they call JCPenney's to see if they can order an outfit. Yeah. Well, this was limited edition, and it sold out. Of course. But J.C. Penney's, props to J.C. Penney's, does give them the name of everyone who's who has bought this uh, outfit. And so they begin to make phone calls. They have a couple of hundred people that they've had. They do find someone who is done with this outfit, and they have it, and they say, yes, we will send it to you. So they pack it up. And oh, send them that's this outfit. Awesome. Yeah, it gives me cold chills that the way that people can be. In the meantime, during all of this, it we found out that Caleb has. They did know that Caleb had a, a had a past. You know, nothing, mm. nothing of any no rape or anything to do with children. But he did have his the three the things that he had were like uh, he had larceny, car theft, and he did have contributing the, to the delinquency of a minor, but it wasn't anything sexual or anything like that. It was, I'm assuming, younger, probably some 17-year-old with him, because he's around 23, that had done this car theft or something. But during the middle of this, the uh, during all of this, because this takes months to do all of this, okay? Yeah. doesn't take a day or two. <laughs> right. There are a couple of things that happen in here. One of them is he gets... Uh, the, his parole officer calls the judge and says he's he's broken his parole. He's not showing up. He's not doing this. So lock him up. The judge locks him up. Puts yeah. him back in jail. So Way he is, go, judge. He is back in jail. He's going to have to finish out a sentence. So they have. They now know that they have so many more months before his thing, his his sentence is up. So they've got him locked up. He can't do anything. He can't go anywhere. Yes, but what about the little girl? They can't find her, but they're, they're doing all of this, going through all of this to find her, to try and find her. And at one point, you know, poor Tammy has not been able to work. I don't blame her. She's sitting at home. She's not, you know, she's just stricken. Yeah. She grief-stricken. She can't do anything. She can't go anywhere. She's about two months after this, so this is in... Well, let's see. He got put back in jail in January of 1989. Okay, so a month. So that's about a month. About, about another month after this, 
So it's been two months. She gets a phone call saying, we've got your daughter. And we want $75,000. There had been a reward out immediately that was $10,000. But they wanted $75,000 to get this. So, she gets off and and she says, I want to talk to my daughter. And they're like, you'll talk to her when you get her. We want the money first and then you'll get her. So, when she gets off, she calls her mother. I just got a phone call. They've got her. They've got... Uh, they've got Melissa, Melissa, and I want, you know, and we and they want $75,000, and what am I going to do? Because they're telling you, you know, standard, don't call the police. Well, Grandma's a little smarter than them, and she calls the police anyway. That's right. So Always call the police. The police and the FBI go over there, and they set up a sting operation. They get it all going. They, She gets this phone call. They get the $75,000 together. They put it. Is it Monopoly money? I would do Monopoly money. Right. You didn't say real dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they got it together, but they, they, they set up a sting operation. Yeah, it's it's usually it's the FBI. They Right. I I'm, I mean I'm just guessing. In they the have F- to they have to have that money stored away for these kind of things. I I would assume or you could even have paper that weighs the right amount and money on top of it or anything because you know Yeah, to make it look like you have it. Legit. All. When they open it up. I would still do Monopoly. But apparently they, uh, in the FBI files show, they put it inside of a car and then they're all around waiting on them to come. So, when they, anyway, when they pick it up and they make the exchange, they immediately arrest these two. There are two guys in this. And to only, only to find out that this was two college dropouts in this area that decided they're going to make some extra money. Oh, some real winners, huh? Real winners Real winners. And I have to say that these two guys, one of them, his dad was a police officer. (gasps) So you know he was, you know that daddy was not happy. Yeah, I'm sure he got a butt whooping. Oh yeah, these two, these two characters here, they were uh, 22... And twenty, they were twenty and twenty-four. Okay, so they know better. It's not like they're teenagers. They're not. To... They're not little teeny boppers running around here being stupid. They're adults, and so they picked them up. They did get uh, convicted for this crime. They got oh, five good. different uh, counts of that included extortion and conspiracy. Uh, it, this was Emmett Greer the third, who was twenty years old. He got four years. Um, he was. Not the one that came up with the idea, but he did go along with it and did this. Um, and then there was... Do the crime, you do the time. Exactly. And then there was Anthony McRae, who was 24 years old. He came up with this idea, and he got seven years. So, which one was the one that had the, the police officer's dad? Oh, you want to ask me that, girl? Let me see. Um, I wasn't... I didn't even mean to mention that because I didn't want to drag that daddy through. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. You don't have to. um, I do have it, but where do I have it at? Because I'm skipping over looking at my papers here. I got her stuck. (laughs) I go through all, I go through these things and I know them by heart. And then I'm telling you the story and then you ask me a question. Well, I'm trying. I don't even know. trying. Instead of just going, okay. (laughs) Right, yeah. Look at you, asking the right question. I'm asking the right questions now. I'm in it. Yeah. One of them. 
It was one of them. Okay. <laughs> one of them had it the was daddy. one of them. <laughs> it was I wanted to I want to say it's Greer because it seems to me like it's the 20-year-old that had it. And he did get less and I think maybe that could have been because of him. Because he wasn't the okay. Because okay. he knows, you know, well he didn't he didn't plan it. He knows the questions asked, he didn't plan it. But I believe it was him that did. But anyway, they had both been just dropouts. They had met at school and then they and they were real winners together. They were kind of druggies. They were kind of not, you know, hard drugs, but I don't know. They were little Mary Jane. Yeah. And they'd been selling it and they when they they had anticipated they had been telling people that they were getting ready to make a big cocaine sale. That's why they were going to have all that money. Oh, right. <laughs> right. They right. had to make they were I mean they really did put some thought into they it. They did. And but the thing is is how can you do this to some mother who is missing her child for two months and now you're going to do this? This is Yeah. So the fact that they did get I'm glad they, they caught got. them and they did go to prison for it. But how, how long did happy. they go to prison for? Uh the one uh the twenty year old went for four years and McCray, the twenty four year old, went for seven years. Okay. So they got some time. Good. They did get some time. So not enough though. <laughs> Ne- there is never enough time There's that they can for something time. like that. and um, So, yeah, I'm just... Putting them on their ringer. Yeah. Mm. So now we're going to go back to this stuff. And the, this, and the FBI now has gotten this sweater and this, oh, yeah. this outfit. So he immediately, when it... He said when he gets the box, he's almost afraid to pick it up. Because the, the description that... that, that uh, J.C. Penney's gave us is a navy blue sweater. Mm-hmm. And he knows that this is not a navy blue fiber. But he is trying. So when he gets this box, he's like, I don't know if I want to open it. I don't know if I want to open it. He's so invested. He wants this to be. <laughs> you open it. it is. So when he opens it and he finds out that it's a purpley blue color, he is ecstatic. Uh, yeah. And this fiber matches this sweater perfect. Okay. It comes out finds out to be that this is this is actually called plum navy like 886 or 887 is the die number and it matches this sweater the red fibers miraculously match the skirt so they have these so they have all the things that make it that outfit has been in that car they have 100% 100% circumstantial evidence. 100%? That's amazing. No, it's circumstantial. Oh, circumstantial. Gotcha. Yes, they don't have any proof because they don't have the actual outfit and they don't have... They so have they just the, have something They have the fibers that are consistent with another outfit that is an identical outfit. They have the fibers that are identical to this things. <gasps> they have these things, but these are all circumstantial because you do not have a body. So, yeah, I mean, it just gets better and better. But they did end up, they did, when we get back to all these fibers that they had, um, he got this, um, he had other people in the FBI offices, he said, okay, I want you to bring me all of your navy blue, because this was an acrylic sweater, anything you have that's navy blue and acrylic, and they bought things and they brought them in so that he could match them to this navy Navy plum or this, well, purple the, blue. It the description in the thing when they're going to bring up this description of it is navy blue. 
we have the outfit, the identical outfit, and we're going to match it. So bring in anything that's navy blue and acrylic, and we're going to match it up. He ended up getting over 126 items. So that means he's got to pull every one, a fiber out of every one of these 126 items and try and match it to this. Nothing matched. Only that one navy blue sweater matched that fiber hmm. that he had. So he really, really put in the effort on this. He did. He had, he did almost 8,000 comparisons to, di- wow. to get these, to, to match these fibers and these things so that he could go and say that this does not match anything but this to make this thing. You go, dude. So they still, and during this time they do get a, a, um, a child is found. A body of a child is found. Oh. So, they're hopeful that this is going to be Melissa at this point. Because at this point, I mean, we, we discussed this even last week, that most... Kidnapping a, homicides. Kidnappings end in homicide when it's a stranger abduction. And most of those occur within three hours. Again, yeah. he's been gone for two and a half hours before they could contact him. So, they know there's a two and a half hour discrepancy and she's not there. So, they're, they're assuming that she's dead. But, of course... The mother, Tammy, is hopeful that she's alive and that maybe he's given oh, her to course. somebody else. Um, but they find this body, but so they're they're hoping that maybe this is Melissa so that they can finally get this guy on something. Um, she's in a median, which apparently was really thick. Um, it was grown over and all that, but she's in a median. Oh. And, they, and so they... The, the little girl is... The little girl that they find is in there. But when they get there... It's actually, this little girl was probably 12 to 13, Aww. not her, not, not the right age. Not a five-year-old. And I'm sad to say, this little girl was never identified, that they, the body that they found was oh, never identified. so she's just a Jane. She was a Jane Doe. Oh, And that her. I have heard she was never identified, at least not during this time frame. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Somebody couldn't couldn't find their little girl oh another okay. one yes so um they feel like with this these matches that they have in all of this that they have enough to file and to go to court so they do go to court for this with um caleb they do uh and they do get him uh he does let's see when he gets to court the court case lasted um, eight days long. They went to court on uh, February the 26th of 1991. So it's two years later. It's a little over a year later. It's a about year. 15 okay. months later. Because um, oh, yeah, that was in 1989. Yeah, in December of 1989. And this is February of 91. So this is, I mean, it takes this much time to get all this stuff together and then you got to get a trial together and do all that. It was just, it's just crazy that it goes this long. Um, the trial lasted eight days. Um, the, the jury, the jury, the jury, the jury deliberated for nine hours, right? Nine hours? Nine hours? Really? Nine hours. I, I'd have been like, nope, he did it. (laughs) I'd be the worst juror ever. I'm going to tell you, when (laughs) when you see his picture, he looks like a skis. He looks like a Chester. 
I, you just look at him and you go, oh, yep. He did it. You don't have to say anything. I don't know. I don't understand the nine-hour de- deliberation. I don't either. You're guilty. With the exception that there was no body. And yeah. in Virginia, you cannot, they cannot process, they cannot prosecute him for murder because they do not have a body. Okay. You but does the statute of limitation for that murder? I don't think there is a statute of limitation on murder because they're still thinking if they find a body, they can still go back and get him. For yeah. murder. You can't do double jeopardy, so you have to be very careful. So they did not they did not they did not put him away for murder. They could not do that. Because they in Virginia, a lot of states you can without a body you can still put them uh, you can still prosecute them for murder. And they could have in Virginia, but you have to prove where the murder occurred. And they don't know where that is. And they do not know where the murder occurred because there was a 57 mile discrepancy, which, you know, four miles to get there, so you can take four miles out of that. And there's still like 53. Well, Well, four miles home. You know, he's got to have at least, and he said he took the long way home. That's 10. Even if you take that out, there's still, that's what? Almost 30 miles. 13 miles out of it. You still got 38, 37 miles, you know, and that's a round that you've got to to look because you don't know which direction he went. So. You've got to get back and forth there. So if it's thirty-eight, you got nineteen miles. You got to go around because you got to get nineteen to the to the furthest point and nineteen miles back to that point somewhere. True. So you've got you know you've still got a good circumference there that you've got to do, and they've never found this body, so they can't prove it. And if they can't prove it where it occurred, then they can't file uh, murder charges on it. So they did. Uh, they filed. Um, They filed the charges, let's see, I can find exactly what they did, but they uh, they did get him for kidnapping, they uh, put him for conspiracy to, um, with the, in, let's see, kidnapping with the intent to defile a, because uh, they can't technically a get child. him for, they can't get him for rape because they don't have any proof, they're trying to get him for molestation, Here's the thing, they're they're proving this. Their their link here is that she had on the pink parka. We know she had the pink parka on because she put it on at the party. Yeah, it's missing. It's never found either. So she had the pink parka. In order to get these fi- these fibers into her seat, the pink parka had to be removed. Okay, so she didn't have the pink parka on in the car. He's removed it at some point. In which they believe he was, it was an intent to defile. Okay. He'd been trying all night to get sex from everybody that had come along. So they feel like that's what he, that was that's, his agenda. That was his next goal. That was his agenda when he took Ugh. it. So gross. So, nine hours of deliberation and they did get a prosecution. And okay. They, and they sent it and they did, they, they found him guilty. They did sentence him to 50 years, which was, I believe, the maximum that they could give him for what? For the crime that he could that he had committed, he, okay. they couldn't give him life because they couldn't prove murder, um, because nobody's found, so she could be out there. So, um, in June of nineteen ninety three, though, he had an appeals case, um, and he wanted to have this overturned because he does not think that he the intent 
his attorneys, I will say, did not think they could, they had the right to prove that he had the intent to molest this child. They could prove that he had the child in the car. They, they can't deny that, that he kidnapped the car, the child, but he could have given the child to someone. She could be out there. It could be, you know, they don't feel like he had the, they had the, they're not questioning that, but they are saying they did not have enough to say that he intended to to molest him. So in that case, he would they could knock a lot of his time off. Mm-hmm. So they did take this to court. And during this, and we do have the court hearing of this, and this is where a lot of this information has come through too. It was not overturned, thank you. Oh, to goodness. So they did continue to leave him uh, in there. He did, however... He was released. Released? Yes. But, okay, this happened in 1989. That's when I was born. So, I'm 33. So, that means that he's... He got out way before his time. He got out in 30 years for for good behavior. What kind of good behavior do you have to have? How? How? I don't understand good behavior in jail. You're in jail. What is there that you... Um, okay, you could start a few fights. You could not start a few fights. Hey, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I don't want to fight. So, if I get... If I do something and I go to jail and I just don't want to fight you, I can get out early? That's just crazy for me. I, I can do whatever I want and you're going to let me out early because I'm in jail. I can't do anything else. not like I can go shopping or I can't go rob a car. I'm in jail. Yeah. You know, I don't... I can't go molest another child. I'm in jail. Good behavior. That's good. But I've got good behavior because I'm not molesting anybody in here. Because they all bigger than you, you idiot. They're all, you know, they're gonna fight back. This five year old can't do (laughs) that. Right. They're gonna tell you to pick the soap up. (laughs) Drop the soap. I'm just saying. I mean, I can't. I can't understand how you can do that. Yeah. Well. He did, and and it was in right around the time of his uh, dis, of his. Well, in I think it was he got released in two thousand nineteen, but in two thousand thirteen there was an interview that the Washington Post did with Tammy, and um, well in nineteen ninety nine they had done they had done this interview, and she at that point thought he had a release date of two thousand thirteen due to this. Uh, that that would have been his release date had that had he not had he won that and been overturned. Okay. But he did not, and um, he was not released until ni- two thousand nineteen. Um, so you're out there. So he's out there now. Yes. Watch it. He did have to file. He did does have to um, file as a sex offender. He does have to say that he's a sex offender now. Not that that's much. That isn't much. I mean, a lot of people don't look and see. You should always check your area. Although, I'm very terrified to do that. (laughs) Yes. And they have... And he worked at the time. He got a job at like a Burger King or something. I'm sorry, but how many children do you see going to Burger King? Have it your way. So, yeah. He, um... I'm going to go a follow-up here with Tammy a little bit. She did, um, after, during all of this, she didn't know what to do with herself. She wanted to have another baby. She thought she wanted to have another baby. She even talked to the dad because she wanted to have, if she could she artificially insemin- inseminate and some other friends, but she wanted to have another 
another Melissa. She then realized that that was not, she did come to her senses. And I'm sure that some therapy came into that thought. Um, but she decided to go back to school. She earned her MBA. And at one point she did find, uh, she did meet a man. He was a widower. He had four children. One of which was, uh, the youngest of his children was, uh, Melissa's age, a, a daughter. And, um, his name is, uh, his last name was Graybill. And she did take his name. So she is Melissa Graybill, but she does go by Melissa Brannon Graybill. Um, and she has never changed her phone number. I wouldn't either. Uh, she knew that Melissa knew the phone number. And so she's never changed the phone number and she still leaves it. The phone number is still listed as Melissa Brannon. So she always has that hope that she will come back. Always. You we never stop looking. I, you know, there's no body. There's, there's always a hope. There's always. As a parent, you're if you don't have a body, you're always going to hope and believe that somebody has her or had her. She would be um, about 38 now. We do have on the website, we will have a picture of Melissa at five. They did do an age progression at around 16. We have that age progression picture on there as well okay. um we do have a picture of caleb when he was arrested and we have a picture of caleb now now caleb now looks much different looks than much caleb different then. he looks like a little grandpa now but before he looked he, he looked, looked like a slime ball he really did he really the did ultimate. he looked like the ultimate chester molester he really did and we do have a picture of tammy um but so, the only children that we know of that she's had are these four uh, children from her husband, uh, her stepchildren. And um, he was a widower. He, his, chi- his wife had died in childbirth with that last one. Oh, so, so they needed a mama. They needed a mama. And I think that they seemed to be a very, ha- she seemed to have had a very happy life for what she could. Now she does have, she has said in an interview that she has, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know about Melissa now, especially, but she's always, she has a, uh, a wall for Melissa that she has and all of his children knew about Melissa and everything, but her wall is now like, she keeps that wall like upstairs. When you go up the stairs, you'll see it. So you don't see it from the door so that people aren't saying, well, who's that kid? You know, you don't. Yeah. You don't want to bring that up fresh and have to tell that story over and over and over again. Ripping your heart. You're living wide it. Open. And every, I believe it was in every April and every December, it just is opened up all over again. Oh, her birthday for in her April? birthday in April and her. I, I know. birthdays in April. Uh, oh, no. Goodness. So here she was in April, and then in December she has that opened up all over again every year. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine. I can't. I mean, we say it, I, I feel like we say it all the time. I can't believe this is just the worst nightmare. But there's, as parents and as moms, anything we have so many your, nightmares. Anything to do with your come child, with our child is, is a nightmare. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, I think at this point in time in my life, I can say, when I was your age and your, my kids were your age, the kids, your, you know, the kids were your, the ages that yours are now. Yeah, I'll get it out. Um... It was always like, I, if something happened to this little kid, I'm just going to die. But now I can say, if something was to happen to you, it still would just kill me. I can't imagine 
dealing with you know, it as a child, as a little baby. She she disappeared at five, and it hurts, and it's forever. It's a forever hurt. It's a forever hurt. I mean, you don't even know what she would grow up to be. Right, and you and you're always going to imagine what would she have been? What would she be like? Would we be friends? Would she have been that teenager that was, you know, horrible to me? Or would she be? Or we would we would just she be sneaking right out all it? night? Right. Would she have gotten piercings all over? Would she have? Would she be? You know? Would she have been trying to get away from me every chance she got? Or what would she have done? Or would we have been best friends all along? You just don't ever know, and you've got that. But as a mom now, I still think when my when I get off the phone, if you're in the car and you're going somewhere, I'm, I still have that fear of. I don't make it. If what happens if she has a car wreck? What happens if something happens? I still to this day have those same fears. Yeah. So it just it that fear never goes away, and for it to have been fulfilled, I cannot imagine. Yeah. Ugh. I just it, it's just beyond me. So. Unfortunately, I feel like we're doing several of these that are disappearances or, or kidnappings. kidnappings and things like that. And I don't know how to go about it any other way. Because it's just, those are the nightmares. So, again, if there's anything out there that you want to hear about that we're not telling you, please. Let us know. Let us know. Um because even again, if it even if you're putting like a comment on our Instagram of a yeah, name a name or anything it's out there that's that's great that's a big help or any other things that you would rather that you would like to hear about that we can find something that has happened yeah. you know um, I do look into it and go oh I want to oh but this isn't uh, that's what I told you I'm like, oh but this is another kidnapping I hate to do another kidnapping but, but it's different too this child's never been found but it was an unsolved one and it's never it's it's the unsolved in some areas. It's, so it's just, they're all just terrible, and so I'm trying not to do the same thing every week, but then yeah. again, that you run across it and you're like, no, they need to hear this one. Yeah, well, next week is different. There is no kidnapping on this one, so. Okay, but it's an unsolved case. It is unsolved, and I found this one on Facebook, to be quite honest. Oh. Um, it just ran up on my page, and... My heart broke for this mom in her story. And this is about what she is saying because this is unsolved, so they're not going to give us much. And on it's it. not very old either. It is not very old. And this is literally my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. This is, oh, it's just, it's horrible. Just stay tuned and come back next week so that you can hear this one because. Yeah. <sighs> That one's gonna it's it's gonna bring tears. It's gonna be You I do know. this to me. I do. But I am this not a one, crier, this and yet one I do this every week. This one really really will will break your heart and I just hope this mom can get some justice. So, on that note, this brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five star rating and a comment on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Audible, Amazon Music, and also Samsung Podcast. Your comments can be anything, even just one word. It just helps us create an algorithm and helps us get our name out there. You can also hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on any of our nightmares. But next week's nightmare will be um, Alicia 
telling me about the unsolved case of Ocean Wright. We do have Facebook and Instagram. They're both at Mama's Nightmare Pod, where we'll be posting pictures from each episode. Also, if you have any suggestions on cases you'd like for us to cover, please email us at mamasnightmarepod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia and Rhonda, and we hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Goodbye. Goodbye.